C'è la luna mezza mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Welcome everybody to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And I'm very happy to say we have an old associate of Pat, a good friend of mine <laughs> through the years. The only person that don't know AJ is Megan, but she knows him. <laughs> AJ Benza is Benzer. with us, man. AJ okay. Benza, the legend. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. You made my two kids believe me when I told them that, listen, your father did some crazy stuff. When you called me a legend, they finally believed it. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. From one legend <laughs> to another. It's always uh, good for your kids to think you're a legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but look, I go back with you since the 80s. Pat, I know I was in this Howard Stern Studios when you were doing some live podcasts, I'm sure of it. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Megan, we haven't had the pleasure, but uh, by the end of the show, you'll know that I'm a legend. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I will. Okay. <laughs> I have confidence in that. All right, so let's hit it off, guys. This should be a really interesting show. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. What do you want to talk about, Pat? Well, let's for the, for, for the people who have been living under a rock, <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's tell everybody uh, who AJ is. I'll say it real quick. I was a kid on Long Island, married. You know, everything was fine. I was uh, writing for Newsday, the newspaper on Long Island, writing sports, and then I got a divorce. And suddenly I was asked, do you want to cover nightlife, go out at night and cover parties and clubs? And I said, yeah, sure. And that opened everything up. It turned me into a quasi sports writer, into a full-time gossip columnist. And uh, this is 1991. And it just blew open. Mort Zuckerman bought the news. He, he, he took me and Linda Stacy, who I'm sure, Pat, you guys know the name, Linda Stacy. Show up in the Times. And uh, we went and ran page called Hot Copy. Then I had, then Linda re Linda left, and I had two columns a week, a daily column plus a Sunday column. So I covered everything: movie stars, society. But my column also had a lot of uh, a lot of an element of uh, nightlife, and you can't write about nightlife without truthfully writing about the mafia. Well, did you and just I, cover New York, or you were? Uh... I covered New York. Yeah, I mean, actually. The thing about me was, in the 80s, when I was first married and having trouble paying bills, I had a cousin of mine who got me involved. Remember the businesses where you, you teach, you, you, you take gamblers and you uh, you help them win their bets, these tout services that were all right, over right, Long right, Island right. in New York? Yeah, sure. Uh, for okay. a cut. So, yeah. Exactly. So I would yeah. get a 10, 20% cut for helping gamblers win some money. And as a result, I lost one of my big players. I went to my cousin, Albert was the black sheep of the family. He was working for John Gotti in Queens in his gambling operation. I said, I lost a gambler. He has no bookie. What can we do? He said, I'll set you up with my friend John. This is 1984. I didn't know John Gotti's name at all. I never heard of him. Yeah. And then as this went on, my guy was gambling, winning money, losing money. John said to me, why don't you do something to work, or work something called half sheets where you bring me gamblers into the operation, Whatever they lose the first week, you get half of it. I said, this is great. No sure. One one guy I had was a major whale. He lost a ton of money and he wasn't paying. This, uh -oh. is back, this is back when you couldn't email anybody, you couldn't text, phone. It was just strictly one phone call and maybe a letter. 
and this guy was trying to beat me, and I had to, I had to get really concerned because John Gotti was pissed at me that I vouched for this guy. So yeah, you brought him in, in Colorado. Yeah, I brought him in. I didn't know the rules, so I got a phone call, and I'm sure Johnny, you've been around these calls. Got a phone call Thanksgiving morning, 1985. Uh, listen, if I don't get this $13,000 in a few days, you're going to go to Colorado. You're going to find this guy, and you're going to bring him back with the money. I, I, I couldn't even look at food, forget about eating it. I was petrified. See, what the hell do I and, do now? Yeah. All I did was I called and called and called. And lo and behold, December, I think it was 13th or 14th, there's a murder at Spark Steakhouse. You know, Paul Castellano's murder, John Gotti's the boss, and it was just forgotten about. Wow. He just had bigger fish to fry. It was Forever. gone. Yeah, Boy, never gone. Now it was over, and then as a journalist for Newsday, I would go to the trial. I wanted to be in the courtroom to see him, and I went, he understood who I was, and ever since then, he always allowed me to, to, to wink at him and give me the thumbs up in the courtroom. I was elevated with him. And then when there'd be a recess in the court, we would go to Jam Bones across the street, and I would eat, not with them, but a table next to them. John liked the fact that I came from a background, and let me just really quickly say, my mother's side was mafioso. Megan answered my question, you guys answered my question, with Happy Mayone, Murder Incorporated, Hitman was my mother's uncle. Oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. At the same time, my father was a big, in the 50s and 60s, a, uh, a U.S. Treasury agent undercover. So he was chasing Profacis and Gallows and you name it. Didn't so the happy, house was did, crazy. Did, didn't Happy Mayone get the chair? He got the chair, I think, in 47 or 48. Uh, yeah. yeah, he got he got he got killed, and um, I didn't know much. My parents died when I was young, so I had so many questions and stories to, to, to wonder about. So I took that to Gotti, knowing that I had mafiosa in my background. I figured at least him and I could talk. I was so full, I didn't know, because mm -hmm. I was I was I was romanticized by it, the suits and the hair and the mm -hmm. you know it just I had to be near it, mm -hmm. and I would I would find him at the restaurants. I'd sit near him, and eventually. He would tell, like, Sammy the Bull would say, well, who's this guy over here? What's he doing? And John would say, don't worry, he's all right. He's not He's not like them. He's almost like them, but not like them. You know, because I was a journalist, but he knew I had a little more scruples. And long story short, John goes away. And uh, then I'm in New York City as a full-blown gossip columnist for the Daily News in the mid-'90s. And I was approached by and around every Gambino and every Gen VC you've heard of for five, six, seven years. Um, so that's why all these stories, even if I hadn't met Gianni in the 80s, all these stories, nothing is thorough in presenting these stories about all these figures as you guys have been. It's, fa it's fantastic. You ever consider writing a book? I've written two. Okay. I'm writing my third now. My second was picked up to be a movie. My second book is called 74 and Sunny. It's a really sweet tale about my family in 1974, Alan. We took our gay cousin in. He was 10 years old. His father wanted us to make him a man, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my father, you know, tough Sicilian house. And he figured we'd whip him up into shape. But he changed us. He made us more understanding about his position. So that book got optioned. 
The third book I'm writing is along the lines of what you guys have done. I'm telling all the stories I've had with all these famous people from Gotti to Sinatra to Stallone, you name it, to Johnny Russo, everybody. <laughs> so how far are you along? You, you, is, is this I'm in about, the pipeline? Yeah, about, I got my, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm just about done with the proposal, which I hate writing, as I know you can attest. It's harder to write um, the proposal than it is to write the book. The book is the book is so much easier. The proposal oh, yeah. I can't oh, stand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm with Folio. I got Frank, as uh, as, as you know, at Folio. Um, yeah. You know that's coming. But right now, uh, the only place I go for my mafia information and stories, you guys have been phenomenal. I mean, this is great. It's great Thank stuff. Thank you. Thank you. So well, how did you and Johnny meet, AJ? I, you know. I stumbled into State Street. I was in Vegas. I think it was 1986. I might be wrong a year or two away. He can correct me. We were in town. I was working for a publishing company. Just got married. Didn't know what I wanted to do. And I walked into what someone said to go to this place. We went. And I saw Johnny. And I, you know, call her Ritzy. You know, that's my guy. <laughs> and I, he was saying, he was talking to people. He had a snifter, like a drink in his hand. And I thought... Oh my God, is he okay? Like he's telling stories at a restaurant. I had no idea he was. <laughs> I had no clue that was his joint. You know, I'm, I'm this young kid going, oh, the poor guy. What a great movie. Ah, you know. And then we sat down. I said, I'm a big fan. I don't know how much he'll remember. A lot of my, my memories fuzzy because I was drunk and it was a great time to be in Vegas. But that's when I initially met Johnny. And then I think over the years we spoke over the phone when I had my column here and there. Um, but I, you know, growing up around men who needed privacy or, you know, respected omerta, put it that way, um, I, I, I guess I got more friendly with powerful people because I wouldn't put certain things in the pain. And um, that's why a lot of upper crust mafiosa liked me because they would come to me with requests to put people in my column, which was a, you know, a movie star column, it was a gossip column. Mm -hmm. And yet they'd sit me down and say, and you'll know this name, Patrick and, yeah. and, and uh, Johnny. Barney Belomo, the Genovese captain for a while. Right. And he wanted uh, to be in a gossip column. Well, he was in jail, but his soldiers said to me, you got to write about Barney. He passed two lie detector tests. You should be out. See what you can do. And I'd sit there going, oh, my God. You know, how do I put him in a gossip column? You know, <laughs> not only that, how do you say no? Well, I, you don't say. You know yeah. why I didn't say no? <laughs> right. Because... Let me back up to maybe a month before that. I'm a big Frank Sinatra fan. Who is it? And um, I hear uh, he's having his 80th birthday party at the Shrine in L.A. And I said, I got to go cover that. But I was writing about it and I was making fun of the people that they invited to sing. Because Frank Sinatra don't care about Hootie and the Blowfish and all these stupid <laughs> bands, right? right? <laughs> I'm writing these things. So I go to get a ticket and his publicist says, no, AJ can't go. So I told Nancy Sinatra, who had been coming into New York, she just posed for Playboy. Her and I got along great. I love Nancy. She says, call my Uncle Lou. And you know Louis Dome's obviously. Of course. Yeah. He's in the book. I go down to the, the bakery, and I see Louis Dome's. At Veneros? Yeah. Went down to Veneros. Second <laughs> Avenue? Second Avenue, right? Yep. Right. Uh, situation, he says, uh, all right, look, I know you're a friend of Frank. No problem. He says, just write nice things. I said, of course. So he called up the publicist and said, he called me the kid. He said, this kid is going. 
But no, Lou, he said this and that. Listen to me. He's going Quest in LA, and I see the Shrine show, and here's maybe the most magical night of my life. Um, Frank is 80 years old. So the Shrine show ends, and it was phenomenal. I'm sitting on Nancy's lap at the end of the show when he's coming off the stage, you know, and he was drunk. He was, uh, Frank was feeling good. I go home to go to bed. My little apartment in Hollywood, I just moved from New York to Hollywood. And all of a sudden my phone rings at 12 o'clock and Nancy says, AJ, daddy wants to sing. I said, you're kidding me. What do I do? She says, come to the Four Seasons. Go to the Four. Now it's one o'clock in the morning. So Frank and his people called the piano player to come back down. I get to the Four Seasons. There's about 20 people in their tops and Frank is singing. <laughs> And um, it was a remarkable thing to be in such a small circle of people. The funny thing was, I don't know if I can curse. I'll just bleep it. The bleep sure, this is the internet. You can, you can do you anything can. you want. I mean, everybody, I, I, I'm like trying not to get too close. But and at least somebody says, Frank, sing Strangers in the Night. And he says, who said that? I that fucking song. And you would, too, if you sang it one fucking million times. And I said, I got to go. I got my friend story. I'm done. I got it. You can't get better than this. So that's the long and short of me. That's the long and short of me. And then I got TV work. I left the news. Television started calling me. Hollywood TV shows. I did scandals on the E! Channel for five years. And then I've just been out in L.A. for 23 years, bouncing around. Yeah, I used to watch you on High Stakes Poker. I guess what? That's coming back. Really? Um, I, I love yeah, that show. I know. It's the, it was the best poker show on TV. I got word last month it's coming back. I was supposed to be in Vegas this weekend, but of course, everything shut down. No one wants. How do you play poker with six feet of distance between you and the dealer? <laughs> 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 so that sounds really impossible. On, everything's on hold, but it's going to be great because that show is totally, hugely popular. That's a big thing. That's going to be a big thing for me. So whenever this stuff gets sorted out, we'll do high stakes poker again. It'll be a, it'll be a nice time again. You're going to be with Gabe Kaplan again. Me and Gabe reunited. Absolutely, yeah. How come yeah. the show went off the first time? It was a big show. Because guys in in California, I call it fingerprints. Uh, there's always new executives who come on, and you got a number one show, and they want to put their fingerprints on things to make people think they had a changing it and it's very interesting you said that because i would be doing the show and my the guys who ran it this guy maury is an iranian guy wonderful man he does all the poker shows on tv and even him and gabe would play in the big state games around la constantly every night molly bloom i'm sure you're familiar oh, with sure, the, the yeah. game right they would be all those games and they'd say last night we were with Ben Affleck and Toby Maguire. They want your job. They want us to fire you. They want to host this show because they, I, I, like I said, they don't have enough money. This Spider-Man made, he made 30 fucking million. He needs my job. <laughs> but that's Wait. what these people are like. And now yeah. it's turning out that, you know, he's, he was a real bastard to people. He, he took money from people. He, he treated people like crap, Toby Maguire. Yeah, this, you know, he's uh, featured in a book that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Exactly. I forget the guy's name. Do not say good things about him. No, he's a bad dude. And I was, I'm so happy it didn't go. But my, my, Maury, my my producer would tell me, the Sharks that play on high stakes poker, all all these big time guys, they can't wait for Hollywood celebrities to sit down because they can't hold their own after an hour or two. 
they what's going to be the, what, what's going to be the buy-in ten years later? God, I mean, at the end of listen, at, at, at our show at the end, it was a half a million dollar buy-in at the end of the season. The last, that was then. The, what's it going to be the, now? Got to be a million, right? It's got to be know. a million. It's got to start somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. What the channel? What network? You know? They don't have a channel yet. So it's probably gonna we're gonna we're gonna film we're gonna tape thirteen episodes. And then my producer and is very very confident that someone will take it because he's got people at different networks who've asked for it, and he sold, you know, he bought all the stuff from from the the game show network. He, he owns everything. It could be it could be there's a Go Poker Network which is the lowest rung. Like it'll always be there, mm-hmm. but we're looking at network NBC at night. We're looking for ESPN perhaps. There's there's going to be a, it'll it'll land somewhere definitely. Well, f- it's fantastic! Okay. Fantastic! Yeah. Good, good luck with that. Yeah, Thank good. you. Thank you. Thank you. Other than that, I do my podcast every day, famous the bitch, and I've, I feel like I was one of the first people. Oh, I lost everybody. Oh, that's okay. We can. Uh, are they? Are they here now? There you are. There you are. Yeah. I feel like I was one of the first people to 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 get so many people on of my, my show to listen to you guys, and um, man, they all came back with just thumbs up uh everybody loves hollywood godfather i'm so happy you guys are doing great it's been oh, phenomenal thank you. really well thank you for your support yeah, thanks a lot. Oh, yeah definitely. i got nervous that i said to myself let me see how long gianni could go with stories you know i mean can he go two years and i said i get now i'm confident the guy can go 15 i make up stories too <laughs> exactly as i'm going yeah, along exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so any any uh, mob exclusives in, in your column? Something well, that you broke? Ex- oh, God, exclusives. They'll, well, put it this way. Since it was a Hollywood column, I wasn't breaking mob stories per se. But I knew when certain people were knocked off, certain people disappeared. And I worked alongside Jerry Capici and Gene Mustaine, the two biggest mob oh. writers in New York. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, Jerry's got his own uh, mob website. Gangland, right? Gangland. Gangland. It's a good website. Jerry's great, and I yeah. and I would I would uh, after a while with the news, I started throwing parties at these uh, clubs and restaurants that the mob would go to. There was a club called Rouge. Oh my God! Forget you know, about it. You know Rouge, Johnny, right? Every night we were there. That's 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 when I met you on the second time around in my life with Joe Watts and, and Tommy. Tough Everybody Tony. was there. Everybody yeah. was there. To the point where it was both families. Well, I say both PC and, 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 and Gambino. There could have been others, but those are the two families I knew mainly. But they were all there. My roommate at the time, uh, I'd gotten him a job. I vouched for him. There's that word again. They came back to haunt me. He ended up collecting debts from somebody and used Ralphie Coppola's name. You know Ralphie Coppola? Who was yeah. underneath Barney Belomo? And... Um, they beat Chico up, my roommate, to they put him in the hospital, the whole thing. But I knew a lot of things that were going to happen. Like, for instance, when Gotti, when Gotti, when, when they shot Castellano, I had a, I had a, I, I was owed money at that gambling place. And I was really, you know, a hot-tempered fucking 20-something-year-old kid. I was like, I'm taking a baseball bat to work. And my cousin Albert said, stop, calm down, calm down. He said, all you got to do is tell them to watch the news in the night. And after tomorrow night, they're going to feel real differently about you when you tell them something's going to happen in New York City. What are you talking about? He said, just watch the news. And then, boom, Castellano's killed. And I go back to work because I'd already told my bosses, 
some rich Jewish guys. I said, I want that money. And if you watch TV tomorrow, you're going to find out some shit went down that my people are involved with. I was talking out of my ass. And then it, it comes works. true. It comes true. <laughs> so they looked at me with a different kind of respect, yeah, I suppose. Saying. But no, I didn't, I didn't break mafia stories as much as I knew a lot of stuff that was going like in 97, I had back surgery. I'm in the hospital and a couple of kids were shot at the topless club scores, which is, um, yeah, right 21st right. street. Yeah, I know. My, my, my roommate Chico was the manager and I knew right away. I knew who the shooter was. I knew it was a couple of Albanian kids. And I told that to my editor and naturally I'm in the hospital. He said, can you follow up on that? I said, I can't move for two days, but I know it's this kid named Simon. Uh, they died. A couple of Albanian kids, and sure enough, they went and chased that lead. And I don't know if you heard about these kids. Simon is an Albanian name. It's D E D A J. I think it's pronounced they die, but it's they die. This kid jumped in. This kid jumped in the Hudson River, swam to New Jersey to avoid the cops. Oh my God! The, Al wow. the Albanians, Johnny, will tell you, Patrick. The Albanians are crazy. They're tough too. Oh, oh without a doubt. I mean, the, the Italians in the club were nervous, the Albanians, because they didn't, they had no respect for anybody. No, right? that's they love their guns. They really do that. Oh, that's what started it. They shot holes in the ceiling one there night. There you go. <laughs> over a wrestling, over an argument about WrestleMania. Wasn't well, it oh I swear to God, they shot <laughs> holes in the ceiling. And you got guys, you know, John Gotti Jr. had a piece, and they, they couldn't get these kids out of the room at 5 o'clock in the morning. They wanted to stay. And every night, my roommate was like, it's tough. We want them out, but they go, no, we're staying. And it's like a big deal. Like, you got to call someone. They got to call people. It's like, who needs this shit, right? Oh, yeah. Wow. Did you see Junior was in the news yesterday? Who's that? Uh, John Gotti Jr. What do you do, Junior? See, it, it seems that after 15 years, he decided to have a sit down with Albanians up in Boston. Boston? Really? That's interesting. Well, Why Boston? What's happening? There's an MMA connection. Ah. And uh, he said it was totally innocent, but why well, go all the way up there yeah. to meet with somebody? Well, you know? yeah, like, like what's the going to have some Albanian in Boston? What do you got to go up there? Well, <laughs> there's, a, there's been, uh, well, I better, I better not talk about it, but there's yeah, an yeah. MMA thing that I'm aware of. Yeah, you better not talk about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to show right now that just got picked up Amazon Prime. It's called Gravesend. Uh, this kid named Willie DeMeo. Oh, yeah, I know uh, about it. You know, right? I, yeah. I, gotta, I play a crime boss in that. And um, I always thought, I, and they're not going to tell me, but I got I feel that John Gotti Jr. put the money up behind it to get it filmed. I, I think. I think. Yeah. That, that's my intuition from an old reporter's head. No mm. one's going to tell me. They're not going to admit it. But I feel like John did. And I'm happy because... We got four episodes at Amazon Prime. Hopefully, they'll offer more. I like what the kid produced. I've known Willie since the mid '90s. He's been trying for a long it's time. On, it started sadly. Vinnie Pastore, Jimmy Russo, Nick Turturro, Paul Ben Victor, good, good people. Go no, yeah, nice. And I, yeah. I'm assuming it takes place in Brooklyn. What it takes place Brooklyn in the '80s. So it's uh, you know Chantels and you know. You, oh my God, what's the big place in Brooklyn? In the Z. What was the place? Carmine's Copa. Copa wasn't it Zio's? Was the place called Zio's or um, no, 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 Flatbush Avenue? Carmine's Copa was a big. Carmine's, uh, yeah. There uh, was another spot I can't think of, but yeah, yeah. it takes place around. No, it's, there, it's, so. he's talking about a nightclub, a disco nightclub, not a, not Carmine's. Yeah, Copa. the disco oh, was disco either okay. yeah. Zio's or something. But I'm a New York City guy, but I went there a couple times. But that's looking good. Um, another six episodes that'd be phenomenal because I know. 
I'm written in to have some gang war with Jimmy Russo, who I think is phenomenal. So, I mean, I'd be thrilled if it goes that far. And I get to have uh, a head-to-head acting with James Russo, who I think That's is great. You know, phenomenal. Um, when did you first get into acting? I studied it. Uh, I studied with a very fancy teacher in New York named Mira Rostova in the 80s. She was Montgomery Cliff's coach. Brando depended on her for certain movies. Really, I mean... Uh, Alec Baldwin, Jessica Lang, major people would be in this class of mine that I'd sit in on, on, on Friday nights. And then, you know, I got married young. I did a few things early. Then we got married and I just became a regular guy. I had a house on Long Island. I was lost. I just was like, forgot everything. My dreams were on hold. Mm-hmm. And then once we got divorced five years later, everything started happening. Uh, when I went to New York as a columnist, I got noticed and recognized. I was loud. I was you knew me when you were in New York in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And I had people put me in these, you know, I did Ransom and I was in Rocky Balboa. I was in a bunch of, I gotta say at least probably 10 to 12 movies I've done um, in my time that I love. I love acting and that's why I love the TV series but writing is really what, what excites me more than anything. Yeah. Not proposals. Not proposals. No, no, I don't do that. <laughs> Can't stand it. I I marvel at Pat. You've got a few of them sold, right? So I know you uh, you've written uh, a bunch of books, but I've written nine. I know. But, but I, I, I hate to do proposals. You know, I just Isn't it the worst man? It, it, it how hard is it to, to uh summarize twenty page chapters into like nine sentences, you know? I can't do it. And then, and then how long did you know Gianni like that you guys decided to do this together? Well, Frank got us together, but you, I don't know Frank, if, you've heard, okay. if, you, if you've heard this before. And, and all of our listeners have. We didn't meet. I, uh, G, Johnny, oh, and yeah. I wrote that. Johnny, and I wrote that book on the phone, which is almost it really is it, almost an impossibility. And is that crazy? Because though? you did that, now people think other writers can do it, and it's no problem. And it is it's a big the, problem. You got to really, really get into somebody's head, and you really got to get along. Because part you, of you writing, know, yeah. as you know, is is looking at the person. You got to see. You, you you got to know their tics, their mannerisms. You got to yeah. feel them. You got to feel them. And I, I mean, I've been presented book ideas by relatives and friends for 20, 30 years. Yeah, I get And it. I always go, I can't. I, I got six stories in my head. I got to write before I write your story. I can't. Yeah. So what I, are you gonna, I can't start. Uh, what, what are you going to concentrate? You're going to concentrate on fiction, not fiction, both. What? Right now, nonfiction, because I have too many stories that are look. The idea would be the next book that I'm, I'm pumping out is all about my stories, right? Like I just told you the Frank story. I've got, you know, 30 of those. If I can turn that into a book or a TV series, that's the goal. Uh, the second book has been optioned for a movie. George Gallo is uh, tapped to, to I love direct. George. I wrote this. I wrote the screenplay. Uh, it's done. He loves it. Very. Uh, you, you would. You guys would love it. It's very much like 29th Street kind of. Um, remember that movie? That 29th oh, yeah. Street. That kind of feel. It's, a lot like that sweet uh well didn't george write that george wrote 29th street yeah Yeah. he wrote and directed it yeah Yeah. but 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 that was a true story yeah frank pesh won the lottery right won the lottery it's a great story it's a great it's a christmas movie actually but anytime people ask me for a little movie they never saw i so i say get 29 it's on youtube for free it's such a great movie i can't believe Um, i can't believe danny aiello died this year Hey, how bad was that? I mean, he's one of the great, great, I mean, great storyteller. I changed his um, name about 10 years ago. You know, don't you? What no, was, it, what was the went, real name? What was I, it? I called him Danny Aigo. He got <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right. 
But I got to tell you somewhere. Here's how I really liked him. Did you know a guy named Lou LaRusso who was a screenwriter? Of course, play, yeah. Playwright? Okay. Yeah. Lou was a great friend of mine and my uncle, my friend, Vinny Argiro. And uh, I'm sorry if this, if I'm not in frame. Okay. Now so, you are. Um, Louis was dying of cancer. He was trying everything, and he wanted to do this, uh, this, uh, you know, this kind of thing in, in Brazil or Costa Rica that could really give him a shot to live. This is in the mid '90s, and we all were chipping in money. So Lou gave a lot of people to start: Tony Danza, Ed O'Neill, uh, Paul Sorvino, ton of guys. So I went around to people and asked for money. I put in five grand. A lot of people give me money. I go to Paul Sorvino's apartment. And I said, Paul, you know, Louis sick, pa pa pa, and we've all been chipping in. Even Richie Palmer at Mulberry Street Pizza gave me three or four grand. Everybody, Paul says, no. I say, see Paul, he's fucking, he's he's sculpting this piece of shit on his dining room table. <laughs> he's listening. He was listening to himself sing opera. You can't make this up. Oh my god. I, <laughs> I know him well. Paul, believe you me. You know. Okay. Okay. And I know. And this is like years after. They busted out his restaurant in New York, which I used to go to. He's he's singing while people are eating clams and they're taking shit out the back door. But I go, <laughs> I said, I said, which restaurant? Do you do? Solvinos. 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 I think uptown in the yeah. '60s. I think. Yeah. I said, Paul, whatever you could do, you know. He said, Now, Goodfellas, which just came out, was gigantic. He goes, Now's not a good time. I really, I said, anything, not a good time. So I told Danny Aiello that. He said, I want you next to me when I call this guy. I said, okay. He says, Paul, I swear to Christ, if you show up to, to, to lose funeral without giving money and kick it in, I'm going to make sure there are two boxes in that fucking place. You're going to be in one with yourself. So <laughs> I know, and, and by the way, Paul never chipped in. But I know Danny's got, I always listen to Johnny. And I, I respect his word. I know he knows more than I do. But I think that one moment, Danny... You know, he, he came to life and tried to tell Paul, come on, knock this shit off. Pony right. up. You know what I mean? And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Uh, but no, but mob guys, a lot of them are notoriously cheap, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. A lot of them. Yeah, but mob, the yeah, mob guys would give up money. <laughs> 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 mob who was guys. In the, who, Johnny, who was, who was notoriously <laughs> cheap among around you back in the day? Mob guys, none. Yeah, hopefully yeah. you mentioned somebody that's dead already. Yeah, yeah no, no, of course. No, of course. <laughs> the, the guys I knew were very generous. You know, but I knew, I knew really stand-up gentlemen, you know, and that's it. They, yeah. They're deep, they dig in their pocket. They, they fight over checks. No, I know that. There's no question about that. I remember, and this is what I wanted to bring to you, because I know you know this this feeling. When I vouched for my, my buddy Chico, who was my friend since the fifth grade, and it went bad, and... Um, they beat him up, right? So now I had to go back to Rouge, and my girlfriend was the bartender. We all knew each other. We were there every night. Right. And I talked to one of my buddies who was, who, who was closer to the mob than I was, and he said, go, don't change your routine. Go to Rouge. Do what you do. If you don't do it, they're going to come after you. And now I was a journalist, so I felt like I had some kind of shield, right? Right. So I went to Rouge, and I ordered my espresso with Sambuca. You know, every night, the same thing. And the same guys that look at you and give me the big hugs and the smiles and let's clean out the grappa, you're the best. The looks they gave me that night were so petrifying that I don't. it's hard to let other people know what that feels like. When the guys that are tremendous to you 
and buy everything. And like you said, the most jazz guys, suddenly their face just drops and they will send a message to you. Now, nothing, nothing happened to me, but uh, I was petrified until I left the place and walked up Park Avenue. I thought I was going to get jumped. Nothing happened. And then it went away. But, you know, Johnny's been... Look, how am I going to get him riled up when he's in there with the, the tell? You know, I can't rile him up with a story like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting there acting out the Godfather for Escobar. About oh, my God. I can't beat that. That's a wild story, right? It's the best story. It's the best story. <laughs> and, you know, I always wanted to throw this in your guy's lap. And, and I don't know. I've done research on this guy, and I'm friends with his nephew, a great nephew. There was a guy back in the day, Pauli Della Universita, Mott Street guy, old-time Sicilian guy. And I was told, and I've done research, that he was a guy, and you guys have answered this question. Someone has brought it up on the show one time, and Bookie, you said, don't know, how could he be How could he be the counsel, the consigliere for everybody? It doesn't work that way. But what that caller didn't get right was that Paulie, I was told, was the guy that brought money back from Sicily to America. Hmm. And you never heard of him? Paulie? No. Della, you know, uh, no. The, no? I remember that question that we got, yeah, but I didn't, right. obviously. Uh, I, I was born and raised down there. I never heard I of him. I know. Either. You guys are Martin Mulberry, right? Yep. Yep. Can't, well, can't go I, wrong my, with you two. It's perfect. Well, my father, my father had a restaurant on the corner of Bayard and Elizabeth. I mean, th these guys oh, used I to run in and run in and out of there sure. constantly. But of then course. again, the, the, these old timers, these old guys, they they knew that the mob was a secret organization. I'm very low key, right? Uh, except in the neighborhood, and then everybody knew them. But I, I didn't hear that name. No. So it's uh, it's unbelievable because I've got I had guys initially who said no. And the way they said no so quick, I said, you know, I think this guy's had a bunch of stuff sealed for many, many, many years, and no one knows things. I okay. kind of dropped it. I dropped it. I was thinking of adapting it. And um, how old? How old nephew, was he? Would he be today? He, he, no, well, he he, he got to be a hundred ninety-eight, ninety-five. He had a so, brother named uh, was Paulie, and uh, oh shit, he had a brother who was loudmouth and, and 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 like a he had a brother like a Fredo. Put it that way. Sonny, <laughs> uh, Sonny. His brother was Sonny. Oh wow, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I talked to Sonny before he died, and he was nuts, but he he backed up everything that I heard. But there was no talking to him. He was too he was too wild. He was too crazy. But other people that knew that knew the mafia, you know, even Jerry, uh, even Jerry Capici first said no. Then later on, had put Paulie's name into a story, and I said, "What is this fucking mystery? Why can't people talk about this guy?" Uh, hmm. I don't know. If you guys don't know, then I'm convinced that it's it's we're on a roll. But, but he was a Gambino. No, I can't say what family. I know he got his. You know, we're talking back in the Maranzano days. And like, right, right. He, it's his, the 30s. his main his main guy was um, Anastasia was his main guy, I believe, or Luciano. One of them kind of backed him, and um, and and gave him the job of being the go the, the, the go to from Sicily to America. On the ship, back and forth with money. And, well, I can uh, understand. I mean, they had, they had a couple of those guys. He lived above Vincent's. He lived above Vincent's. I know the guy then. Okay. I know. So, I knew, they call uh, him the ghost, the ambassador, the judge. There are all these nicknames. But you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it's odd that Jerry Capici didn't know him because this guy has a mind like a vault. I mean, you, you, know, mentioned, you mentioned a name. 
and he knows, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, I know, I know, but I think that this name is not a name that people want to talk about. That's the feeling I got. And then suddenly his name appeared in a Capici column a year or two after I talked to him. I, me and this guy's great nephew have, have seen this happen quite a bit, where suddenly people say, no, I never heard of him. And then, then a month, a year, two years later, they're talking about him in the story. Well, that happens a lot when they die. They don't do it while he's alive. Right. No, this guy's been dead a while. Yeah, of course. He's yeah. been dead a while. His brother's dead, too. But um, I thought it was a fascinating story about this guy. And there's actually a book out there called The, 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 the Mafia Judge, I think. Um, I'll give. I'll send you an email about it. You look it up. You, I mean, I'm, there, there are tons of names in there. You'll go, oh, yeah, sure. Maybe that was the guy. Maybe it'll ring a bell, you know? Um, well, if he came over in 1919... My my uncle, great uncle, sent over I think er, all those early, guys. I think earlier, Johnny. I think earlier, maybe. All right. Who was your uncle? <laughs> my my <Okay>. uncle. He. <laughs> they hung him in 1947. Angelo uh, Russo. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 When so, they when they were cleaning up, trying to clean up the the mafia in Sicily. Right. But he That's sent over. Why, he sent Vito Genovese over. He sent. He's Carlo sure. Gambino came over made. People don't right. realize that. He, he came, came over as a made guy. Really? From the original Gambino. Years old. The, Gambino yeah, the Gambino family is still up and running in Sicily. Because of that. Because that, of that one move. They did, yeah. A lot of moves, no. Wow. That's why Frankie Cali, this kid came over to a couple of years ago. Yeah. This guy would have been this guy would have been like the old timers. Now what happened? He's gone. Who's stepping up? I don't even know. I much can't about tell you who it is. The, yeah. the guy yeah, that came with him. No, the younger boy. Sometimes I, I, I ask and I know you can't answer. I just I found the murder uh, fascinating because I know the kid made a mistake right away. When oh you my look god! At the story, well, that's a bottle. Right? Why, why mean, do we hold? Why do we hold that thought? Because we got you got to stay for an extra another show. Absolutely, you kidding Please. me? I thought I love talking. I want to hear you guys talk. Yeah. Right, good, good. <laughs> well, we have nothing sure. to say. We're, All right, we're, so we'll wrap it up here, and then we can do this again. We're going to wrap that's it up absolutely. and come right back to you. Nope, I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. All right. It's time to go to the mailbag. I love the mailbag. Oh, we, love, we all love the mailbag. <laughs> we all love the mailbag. I've never seen the mailbag. But, uh, <laughs> the actual bag. The, the actual, actual bag. bag. We should it. get a bag. There's a cop when you need one. I'm looking for that mailbag. Right? All, all right. right. <laughs> First one is from Gio. Gio says, first of all, you guys are great, and I enjoy listening to you guys and hope for many, many more episodes. I grew up in California where there's a huge Armenian community, and I have heard Gianni talk about Kirk Kerkorian and was wondering if you have any stories or experiences regarding the Armenian mob. I have noticed they are on TV now in countless shows, not only in America, but in many other countries. And in California, they're literally all over the place, and they look and act the part. The FBI calls them the main traditional organized group in the state and most powerful and dangerous. Any stories you could share would be great. Well, there's no Armenian mob that I know about. There's notorious and first of all, Kirk Akorian's not in the mob. He was he was a farmer who did really well, bought TWA, <laughs> built so many hotels. I mean, the guy's a, a hardworking guy. Yeah, a legitimate businessman. Yeah, and, 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 and I basically. I basically knew sure. I knew even his sister. They used to come to State Street, and that's even before I even knew about vegans or anything else. And I had we cooked vegan for them. And he always used to say, "When my Rose comes, just don't give her a bill; send it to my office." About two years went by. He says, "How can we never get a, a bill?" 
I said, I'm, I'm going to bill your sister. Are you crazy? I'll never bill your sister. <laughs> nah. So is Kirk Kerkorian Armenian? Is yes, that maybe hello, where he's making? Yes. Okay, that's where he's making the connection. Yeah, maybe not a, with the mob, but it reminded yeah. him. Oh, okay. No, 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 the Armenian. Yeah, he's, he never, never would. First of all, he'd never get a gaming license. He, he opened the International Hotel on 4th of July in, Jesus, in the uh, early 70s. And he had Streisand for two weeks, two shows a night for two weeks, and then Elvis Presley. The good oh, wow. news, when the when the company came out, the International Hotel, it was only five dollars a share. By the end of July, it was fifty five dollars. The biggest score I ever made in my life in South Oh Park. wow. Crazy. Wow, that's great crazy. man. There's nothing I could say wrong about that guy. Oh good. All right, next one is from, we have an interesting name submitted here. It's from Alien Chicken. So just Alien, let that, God, I've been looking for him for you. Oh, man, Alien come back. Okay. Just let that sink in for a second. So Alien Chicken says, Mr. Gianni, what is your take, your take on John Gotti as a boss? When you were a guest on the reality show with Victoria Gotti, was that all scripted? Of course it was. And the only reason I did it, I mean, because I just had a, an album come out called Reflections. And they said you could sing on it and you could do this and do that. So I did it. And, uh, you know, it just goes on and on and on. But uh, John, John I'm a very aggressive guy. I mean, John was motivated basically to kill Castellano because his mentor was O'Neill. And when Mr. Gambino didn't appoint O'Neill, who was his underboss at the time. He gave it to Paul Castellano because he felt O'Neill could handle the street crime, but not the big business. And Paul basically was a businessman. He was trying to change the posture of the family. And that's when John went against everybody and anything and just took out Paul and Tommy Bellotti. I think Tommy Bellotti was the underboss in the Gambino family for the shortest time. It was two weeks. They oh my gosh! Yeah, I love those new glasses. You got new glasses? I've had these. I just don't wear them that much. You like them though? I love them. Very classy. I'm wearing them at home a lot. Look like you. Dean Martin. <laughs> he had those big glasses. Well, that's Megan. That's a compliment. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. I really hope so. Yeah. All right. Dean, no, no, a, a a a young Dean Martin. A young, yeah. Uh, a young you female go. Dean uh, Martin. Okay. Like, Dina Martin. Oh, this is no, 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 not Dina. <laughs> She's All right, much moving prettier on. than Dia. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next one is from Lee. Lee says, first let me say that I absolutely love the show and that I hope everyone is well during this current climate. I'm a huge fan of The Godfather and I've always been interested in mob history. My dad, who passed away in 2016, started my interest as he would watch movies and historical films about the early days of the mafia. I've been trying to locate the vodka and the wines that I've heard Gianni mention in the past. Living in South Carolina, I can't find it anywhere. I've been on the Don Corleone website and it's not working properly. Any suggestions? Yeah, we're making a transition, that's why. The wines are no longer available. The vodka, we really are concentrating on the food. And the vodka we're going to probably sell that off. But uh, you can go to All Star Liquors up in uh, Saratoga, Schenectady area. They're they, online, though, right? Yeah, they're online. And they'll, they'll send it to you. All Star Liquors. Yeah. By the way, uh, the best vodka I've ever had. And I'm, I'm not just saying that. That's good No, it stuff. is good. No. I would agree with that. Very smooth. I, I drink about a bottle a day now. 
under this quarantine. Well, only because, <laughs> only because you, you, you have to. You're a, a quality tester, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, uh, I'm anointing my body from the inside out with alcohol, cleansing it. There you it. go. Yeah. That <laughs> that, that's that's right. why you're so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how it works. Okay, so next one is from Jen. Jen says, Gianni and Pat, it seems as though you've lived very full lives, even though you still have much more in you, obviously. How would you say both of you had have changed over the years? I don't think it changes a bit. <laughs> I, no. I, I think I've calmed down a lot and got more uh, accepting of people because I have a low tolerance for stupidity. Hmm. Now, I, I, you know... Now you just... A lot of idiots into your life. I, I just accept idiots <laughs> rather than they're really getting pissed off, and uh, it's, it's just it just isn't worth it. Yeah. But I think we all change as as, as we get older, right? you know. Yeah. Do you think you've calmed down at all? No. <laughs> and I don't want to. I love. I, I, I you know the I funniest thing. People ask me all the time. It says it all. Why, why don't you change? Why? Don't you, why? Why? I love my life. I, no, I don't, we don't change our. Purpose. I don't force it on change. anybody. But you know, no, we, just, we, don't, we don't change on purpose, we just change, right? Oh, no, right. no, yeah, just evolve, yeah, yeah. All right, next that, that's, one is that solved absolutely nothing, but yeah. next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one is from Emma. Emma says, Hello, I'm from Manchester, and I have a couple questions. First is for Gianni. I heard that you have been to Liverpool before, but have you ever been to Manchester, and did you know about any of the Manchester gang? No, and that's why I stayed away. I heard about the Manchester gang. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No. So you stayed away. No, I, I basically the guys I knew were, were well, Johnny Tramp. He owned Tramps in, in London. You know, I I, I wasn't. I, I love London, and then when when the Sultan bought the Dorchester Hotel, I was living on Fourteen Eaton Square, so I would just cross the grass and be there for high tea every day. And uh, it was a different type of world, though. I mean, could, could you put vodka in your high tea? Oh, sh yeah. I mean, well, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's reason enough to go to London, right there. Yeah, hello. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Now, I used to wink and say, Give me a glass of my water on the side, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's code. All right. And then she says, My second question is for Patrick. <coughs> During your time in the police, what's the most interesting case you worked on? And do you think working in the forest helped your writing? Absolutely, it helped my writing. I mean, uh, you you uh, write what you know. Uh, but the most interesting case. This question is always asked of me. I you know, know. I, I, I I thought I, I heard I, it ten times. I, 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 what's that? I thought I heard this question ten times. Oh yeah, I yeah, always, it has been asked. I, I, a few I times. always re re refer to the, uh, uh, the the time I spent a short time uh, undercover with uh, uh, with the Chinese people, and then I said the next time somebody asks me this question, I now have another answer. And I forgot it. Okay. I mean, so 20 years, you know, I mean, there's so yeah. many things. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and after we go off the air, three o'clock in the morning, give me that guy's phone number. I'm going to call him at three in the morning. You know, right. there it is. There As it you is. make that statement, 20 years, I don't think I've done anything 20 years consecutive other than breathe. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. I used to deliberately change my profession every seven years or different directions. Well, I've, I've, I've done the same thing: uh, military, police, uh, writer, uh, polygraph expert, private investigator. You have to change. Otherwise, well, basically, they're all in the same element. Other yeah, than well, the writing, 
investigate yeah, but, all but that. Still, like, do something else. Otherwise, life gets pretty boring. You yeah, end up well, you uh, fat sitting on a couch. Yeah, well, you know, that's that? true. Yeah. All right. Next one is from Mitchell. Mitchell says, Johnny, have you ever seen a Netflix series Narcos? And if sure, if so, would, how would you compare Wagner Mora's morals portrayer of I can't speak for some reason. How would you compare Wagner Mora's portrayal of Pablo, Pablo Escobar, Escobar to the Pablo Escobar in real life from when you met him? I, I, you know, I watched it just for that reason because I knew what, what was coming on. And I watched a couple of episodes. The guy really nailed him. He was a really? gentleman. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a maniac when he had to be, like most of these guys are. But mm. uh, no, he nailed him, I think. Very few Good. people know Pablo Escobar. And understand this, I don't want to mislead our audience. I was only in Pablo Escobar's company about th two minutes in a church and about 15 minutes in his dining room. I wasn't hanging out with that guy. <laughs> right. All right, next one is from Amanda. Amanda says, Gianni, did you ever meet the Iceman Richard Kuklinski, or do you have any stories about him? No. None. All right. You Pat. The next one is. What was that? I'm asking Pat if he does have. You have any stories? No, I mean I've uh, I uh, read the book, and I saw the documentary, right. and I'm thinking, what's the technical term? I'm thinking, uh, bullshit. That's the term. Yeah, that's. Oh, okay. Yes, a lot of his stuff just didn't make any sense. Right. I mean, how many times? How many people have you met in your life that killed Jimmy Hoffa? Well, I he know. Was one of them. I know at least five now. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm not saying he, he was And they a, swear on everything. I did. Yeah, he wasn't a, a psycho and he didn't whack a lot of people, but my God, this guy whacked everybody if you yeah. listen to him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. Next one is from Dana. Dana says, Can you do an event in LA where we dine on Italian food as you sing to us? So basically, she's asking, Will you be doing an appearance of your show in the evening you can't refuse in LA? I, I'm, I probably will. And if I do it, I'm going to do it at Vibrato up in Bel Air. And Eden, Eden is a very close friend of mine, and her father is Herb Albert. He owns. I'll tell you, want a breast? Yep, that's him. Yeah. And uh, they own probably the classiest nightclub west of Chicago. Amazing. Wow. A, in Bel Air. Called that's saying a lot, for, even for Bel Air. I mean, yeah. everything is classy. Yep, yep. I did a show there, and I, I, I got a greatest compliment. Um, I forgot his name. One of the biggest producers for Sinatra when he did his specials. Uh, Weiss, somebody like that. And he brought the two daughters, Tina, who I know, and Nancy. And I did a tribute to Sinatra, and they did Italian menu there also. It was very good food. And they, they called me over to their booth, and she gave me the greatest compliment in the world. When I did a uh, very good year, she said, that's the second best version I have ever heard. Wow, that is a compliment. Which I thought was an amazing compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. All right, next one is from Robert. Robert says, Mr. Gianni, how does one develop confidence like yours? Any advice? Insanity. You have to have a, a lot of insanity. <laughs> a couple of cocktails every now and then. A couple then. of cocktails and a couple of and, million dollars and, buried. And, and, and very good genes. <laughs> and very good genes. There you go. And we don't need Perfect. blue one. No, we're not talking no, about blue no. jeans. <laughs> not Johnny, Johnny chose his parents very carefully, and this is and this yeah. is how he turned out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, the last one we have for tonight is from Shamil. 
Shamil says, Gianni, who's your favorite character from the Godfather trilogy? Pat, how about yours? Godfather trilogy, that's interesting. Michael. Yeah, I mean, Michael. I mean, unfortunately, I, I knew what was going on in Godfather 3, and uh, he just... So I think him portraying himself as the older Don, Michael... That didn't work out too well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm, but I I'm think he did it because he was said, depressed. Uh, you know, somebody asked a question like that, what's your favorite character out of the trilogy? Uh, there isn't a trilogy as far as I'm concerned. There's just mm. two movies. Two movies. Got it. Good. And it's Michael. Yeah. Good answer. It's, it's yeah, it's Michael. Definitely, definitely Michael yep. for me. Yep. You're right. Same, Johnny. Yeah. The way he to watch him grow from being at my wedding, and, you know, that's the first time I met him because he came home for the war to be at the wedding if you follow the storyline. Right. And then to see him grow into the guy that walked into my living room at the end of an hour and a half and said, Carla got an answer for Santini. Mm. <laughs> two different guys. From saying K, that's my father's business, it's not mine. Well, the transition from those two people is the brilliance of Pacino. Yeah. That is true. All right, that's all we have for tonight. Well, we hate to say goodbye. I mean, we got to try to do this daily. And the only way we're going to do that <laughs> daily <laughs> is, is we need I'm a lot need of some subscribers. Of that that we're talking about. We need a lot yeah. of subscribers. I mean, you're helping us. We're not hitting enough households. Please tell your friends. And all the mailbag says you all love it. So that shouldn't be easy to brag about us. Yeah, tell some of your enemies, too. Yeah, I mean, tell them. Yeah, enemies, maybe, right? maybe have more enemies than friends. There you go. Yeah, we yeah. should include that. Tell your enemies, too. Absolutely. Anybody. If good night, everybody. Love you all. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid. You can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.